0: Thanks, sir. I was teasing Brother Bobby this morning about coming up those steps slow, and you notice how fast I jumped up there. And uh, you have, uh, have your Bibles tonight. Be turning over to First Timothy chapter 5. Reading there in just a few moments. It's uh, good to see you here tonight. I trust you've come praying that God will bless. And uh, you know, sometimes when the cloud's not near as large as we are used to it being, we feel a little bit down. I was uh, saying this morning, all of our singers run off. Brother Ray and brother Van and and brother Coleman was crippled, and brother Bud had a bad back, but he went on through. And brother Tom was sick, and and I thought there for a few minutes I was going to have to leave the singing. <laughs> and and uh, I told Sister Peggy that, and she got upset. And so uh, we had. So we had to do something else. but uh, All kidding aside, you know, uh, things like that happen, and you expect, boy, uh, things are going to fall flat. But uh, God blessed this morning anyway, and uh, I thought there was a good spirit here, and I trust there will be tonight. And uh, that's what we come together for, is to worship God and encourage one another. Uh, Brother... Uh, John's not here, but we're going to uh, preach a sermon tonight entitled, You and Your Pastor. And there was two things I wanted to say about uh, the message before we start uh, preaching it. And there comes Miss John. I don't know if Brother John following you. Somewhere behind you. But anyway, there he comes. Uh, I was just explaining, Brother John, uh, the title of our message tonight is You and Your Pastor. And uh, the message is uh, two things I wanted to say about it. Number one, not, it's not directed at Brother John. If I had something I thought he needed to know that I know, uh, and I don't think there's much of that anymore, but I'd take him over onto the side somewhere and tell him I wouldn't do it from a pulpit. And... Uh, Then the second thing is that uh, uh, you couldn't cover all that you need to cover in an hour if you was talking about the responsibility of the pastor to the church. And then if you was talking about the responsibility of the church to the pastor, it'd take another hour. So we're just going to kind of skim the surface uh, surface tonight and maybe with your appetite to cause you to study a little bit on this subject. And so if you'll stand with us, we'll read out of 1 Timothy 5, verses 21 and 22. I charge thee therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one one before another, doing nothing by partiality, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers, of man's sins, keep thyself pure. Father, we thank you this afternoon, Lord, for your goodness, once again for being with us, and Lord, giving us strength to do and to say what we believe you'd have us to say tonight. God, give us clear minds, give us honest hearts. Lord, help us to speak with boldness. God, have your sweet way now. Save that when it might be here, without your son. Unite us uh, uh, together, that your children stir us anew and afresh. We ask in Christ's name, Amen. <clears throat> we'll not only look at the responsibilities we said of the pastor to the church, but also to the of the church to the uh, pastor. And I have perhaps over the years, failed to preach some of this because I didn't want somebody to feel like I was trying to encourage the church to be better to me than what they were. The church has been exceedingly good to me over the years, and I feel like it. But uh, when you withhold some of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ from the church, you're being unfair to them. You know, I've preached probably in the years I've been here, I probably haven't preached over three or four times on tithing. But tithing is a real need among God's children. Uh, I go down the road and I see churches having uh, soup suppers and uh, uh, yard sales and uh, uh, firework stands and uh, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, you, you'll say, well, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's uh, all right then if you don't see anything wrong with it. But I'll tell you what, the way I see it. God has set it up so that his church would be supported by the tithes and offerings of his children. And I believe that's the way it ought to be done. And uh, in uh, my opinion, if it can't be done that way, then it ought not be done. And that's, that's extra. That's not a part of the message, Brother Nichols. That won't. You write that down. It won't cost to die. And uh, so I, I may have failed to preach some of the responsibility of the church to the pastor, but I'd like to touch on that tonight. Now I want to say before I started, I said I wasn't preaching this about Brother John, but I, did, I do want to say this so that you'll know. It. Some of you may not know it. Brother John is not perfect. And I know he's not because I've done talk to Sister Bridget. But I do believe that he's a saved man. I believe he's a man that loves the Lord. And I believe he's a man that's called of God. And more than that, I believe he's the man God's called to pastor this church. And I'm convinced of that. You know, if I, if I wasn't convinced of that in my heart and I stood here and told you that from this pulpit... I'd be lying to this congregation. I'm convinced of that. And uh, you may not like everything about Brother John. He may not have his hair combed like you like. He, he may not talk fancy enough to suit you. Uh, you know, if you look hard enough, you can find something wrong with most anybody. Uh, Brother Bobby's laughing. If, if he looked hard enough, he might even find something wrong with me. I don't know. But, but I, I know... I do know that you can find something wrong with most anybody. Now, what I, the point I'm trying to get here is it doesn't matter whether you like the man or not, whether your personality might clash or not. There's one thing you better remember. Now, that may sound a little harsh, now I want it to. You'd better remember this. You better respect the office he holds. Uh, because God, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, take much note of us old sinful individuals. But he does take note of the office that we hold. And if we'll keep the right spirit, uh, God will take care of the business of, of those that would oppose the office and say things about the office. And so uh, it's a serious business when you start pastoring a church but it's also a serious business when you start opposing the man that God has sent to lead you. Now, let me just give you something that maybe will kind of jar your memory a little bit. If you'll turn with me back to the book of Numbers, chapter 16. Here's the story of Moses, and all of us know Moses, don't we? We know about his call when... God spoke to him out of the burning bush. We know how that he went down before Pharaoh and, and uh, God delivered the children of Israel out and he led them out across the Red Sea and then got down to Kadesh and, and his faith failed and he walked away from the blessings of God. Oh, we could find a lot of fault with Moses if we looked for him. But I want you to notice something here in the 16th chapter of Numbers. Look at verse 2 and 3. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, important people. They rose up before Moses, with, uh, verse 3, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And he said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. Did you get that? They said to Moses, You just think you're too smart, and you're too good, and you're too holy. Moses, you think too much of yourself. Notice. um, You take too... uh, Let me see if I can find my place. I've lost it just a minute. You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregations are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Now, Why was Moses speaking as though he was above the congregation? Why was it? Because God called him to do that. You remember God said, now Moses, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to tell you what to say. And Moses said, God, I can't talk much. And and finally God agreed and said, if you can't talk, you get Aaron to talk for you. I'll tell you, you tell Aaron. I'm not going to tell Aaron and skip you, but I'm going to tell you. Moses, you're responsible to me. I don't care who speaks, you are responsible to me. And so these people said, Moses, what makes you think you're so smart and you're so holy and you're so good that you can stand up there and tell us what we ought to do in order to please God? And uh, notice how well God received that. And I'm skipping a lot of it. But if you'll turn over to verse 31 in that same chapter. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of the speaking of all these words, that the ground clave asunder, That was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up. And their houses and all the men that obtaineth under the core. And all their goods. And they and all that obtaineth to them went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed upon them and they perished among the congregation. That's some serious business isn't it? What were they guilty of? mumbered against the called man of God. And if the call, and I guess this is a little instruction, you can take if you want to, Brother John, but if the called man of God will stay in the right spirit, uh, God will take care of the business. Now, if Brother Rex says something I don't like, and I won't grab up me a stick and start at him, God will say, if you're going to take care of the business, go ahead and take care of it. But if I'll just... If I just get back and say, Lord, just take care of him, bless him, uh, change his mind, whatever. uh, God will either change his mind or beat the tire out of him. Now, I have to frankly tell you, I don't know what beat the tire out of you means, Brother Tiny. But my mama used to tell me that. And I never did want to check it out to find out what it meant. So, uh, you can take it from there. But anyway... We're kind of maybe not going as uh, organized as we ought to. I want to share a verse of scripture with you out of Psalms, over in the book of Psalms, and uh, see if that's where I want to go. Now, I, I, keep, I kept trying to say Psalms today when I was studying that. It's Philippians. I'll get you in the New Testament. In the book of Philippians. I don't know, the devil seems to be fighting this message tonight, but we're going to try to preach it anyway. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Wherefore, my beloved, be ye... uh, I'm in verse 12 now. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Listen to verse 14. Do all things without mumberings and disputings. Do all things without mumbering and disputing. I don't like, you know, God's asked me to do some things I didn't like to do. And... Uh, Brother Nichols, I, again, I refer to Brother Nichols because he was my pastor for a while. Sometimes they were things going on in the church I, I didn't like to do, but I needed to do them. And by the help of God, I kept my mouth shut and dug them. Yeah. And I believe that you got to do that if you're going to live a life that pleases God. Amen. And so, 1 uh, Timothy 5 1 also says, Rebuke not an elder. And. Uh, whether you're pastors or not, you ought to be the leaders. You ought to be a follower of God. And, and uh, we notice over in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 4. Let's turn to that. Uh, I would uh, try to quote it, but the way things are going tonight, I'd mess it up. Uh, Ephesians, chapter 4, look at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Now, God gives a church a pastor. It's up to that pastor to, I mean, pardon me, it's up to that church to seek the will of God to find out who the pastor is that God wants for that church. But you've got to remember, God gave you that pastor. Now, why did he give you a pastor? Why not just go and let whoever wants to preach and whoever wants to sing and whoever wants to make the decisions and, and uh, why have a pastor? Well, in the very next verse he tells you for the perfecting of the saints, that word perfecting means matured. Yeah. that saints might mature and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying or that is the building up of the body of Christ what is the body of Christ? The true church and a good pastor will build up the body. Now, let me, let me get off here just a moment and, and run a rabbit. And again, this is not part of the sermon, so uh, you won't be billed for it. Uh, we've got some folk in this church that came from other churches. But I challenge you to go to anyone in here, or anyone that comes on Sundays, or any other time, and ask them if I or anybody else out of the leadership of this church came and asked them to change churches. But I know a lot of pastors that are doing that. And that's not edifying the cause of Christ. If I go over yonder somewhere and get somebody that's regular in the church and bring them over here, I'm not edifying the, the cause of Christ. I'm edifying me. I'm edifying the church here, or the local congregation, but I'm not edifying the body of Christ. The way you edify the body of Christ is go out and get those lost folk that are dying on their way to hell and get them saved, bring them in, get them baptized, and then teach them to do the same thing. That's the way you edify the body of Christ. And so we have here pastors that are set up to Uh, be the overseer of the church. There's three words that you'll find in the Bible that means the same thing. One of them is pastor, we just read that. The other one is bishop, and the other one is shepherd. All three words mean the same thing, the overseer. Now, I don't know for sure yet whether it's sunk in on Brother John yet or not what an awesome responsibility he's going to have when he walks behind this pulpit the twelfth day of September. Because God puts a new, a new responsibility on the shoulders of the man that's watching out for the souls of the flock. And uh, so we have the pastors here and uh are, that are to be the overseers. And uh, there's a little thing that makes me think of a, a statement made over in the book of Hebrews. Let's turn over there and uh, tonight just kind of uh, look at see what the writer of the Hebrews had to say in the 13th chapter and the 17th verse. Obey them that have rule over you. Church, listen. Obey them that have rule over you. You'll say, who is that? I think I heard somebody say the other night, well, you may have not voted for President Obama, and you may not like him, but he's still your president. And he is. He's my president. And he has rule over me those senators and representatives up there that's making laws, they have rule over us. We ought to pray for them. And we ought to obey the laws of the land unless they conflict with the laws of God. But we could come right on down to the governor and the the, uh, county executive or whatever. But what he's talking about here is the pastor of the church, the overseer of the church, obey in the church Obey them that have rule over you. Any successful organization, be it a business, be it a non-profit organization, or be it a church, every successful organization has to have one point of authority. And God has set up the local church so that the pastor is that point of authority. Nobody in the church, the deacons or nobody else in the church, has a right to overrule the pastor. You see, I can preach that now. I couldn't preach this a year ago. Very comfortably. But uh, that's the point of authority. And that's because he's the point of responsibility. He's the one God looks to. If this church grows liberal, I don't think it will, but if this church grows liberal, John Jones is a man God's going to look to. That's pretty serious business. And so we're talking about you and your pastor tonight. And uh, let's continue to read there in that verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. Unto them, uh, submit yourselves. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Willingly submit unto that rule. That's hard to get people to do sometimes. Willingly submit. That's the same thing God tells the wife about the husband. But they're just talking about husbands, wives, children, everybody that's in the church. Submit to the, to the leader, to the overseer, to the pastor. And then here's one I run up on a couple of years ago that just like somebody hit me in the face with a, a egg pie or something. It says, for they watch for your soul. Yeah. What, what a terrible responsibility that is. The pastor is responsible to watch for your soul. Amen. Now, he's not responsible to make you do everything right, but he's responsible to let you know what you ought to do. Right. That's right. He can't come back there and grab you by the arm and force you to do what you're supposed to do but he can tell you what you're supposed to do, and he can tell you what it'll cost you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And uh, that's watching for your soul. And then he says, and here's the reason, as they give account, now let me read it correctly, as they must give account, one day, we that have pastored are going to stand before God and give an account for how we pastor. I don't like that too well, Brother Nichols. As I said, I keep referring back to him because he pastored me for a while. I don't like that statement too well. Amen? And so, some of us may have a little problem when we stand there. Have we pastored well that they may do it with joy? And not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pastoring's a great joy. It's not always easy. Everything that happens, uh, you don't like. There's some things you're going to be required to do as a pastor that you just rather not do. But when everything is said and done, it's a joy to be able to say, "Lord, I did the best I could." for what you call me to do. And so here, obey them that have rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your soul. And you say, is that all I'm responsible for? Just obeying the pastors at that all? Uh, that's just a small part. Let me share something else with you Over back over close to where we read our scripture. And the first book of Timothy in chapter 5, and let's just ease down to verse 17. Let the elders that rule well, we're talking now about pastors, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine, those who study the word and and who uh, study the doctrine, who teach, Verse 18 says, The scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. What's he saying there? He's saying you ought to take care of your pastor. And I believe one reason that God has blessed this church over the years is not only to have his church taken care of the pastor, he's taken care of evangelists when they've caught he's taken care of singers when they've copped, and sometimes... That taking care have come out of some personal pockets. You know, the, the offerings don't come up there, and, and the church gives so much, and it's still small, uh, too small, and, and some people have done that personally out of their pockets. But God's blessed the church, and God's blessed those individuals that have done that. And uh, God said, you ought to take care of your pastor. Now, remember this. When Israel went into the promised land, and uh, God began to write down who was going to inherit what. Did you notice that the Levite tribe of Levi got no inheritance? Right. Not a thing did they get in the promised land. Do you wonder why? Because the tribe of the Levites was the priestly tribe. Yeah. The, the sons of Aaron that was a member of the tribe of the Levite was a high priest but the rest of them was priests that took care of the menial tasks. You know, uh, they made sure the bathrooms worked and the electric lights come on when you flip the switch and the floors stayed clean. They took care of all those things around the the, uh, tabernacle and they were supported by the other 11 tribes. Now, here's another sermon. And you, uh, you will excuse me, I'm sure, for running a few rabbits. Like I say, I'm really not preaching tonight. I'm just kind of walking around and talking. But when those two and a half tribes decided they was going to stay on the east side of Jordan, satisfied in the world, what did that do to the other tribes that went into the Promised Land? That increased their burden of taking care of the tribe of Levi. And just as surely as those two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side suffered because of their failure to believe God and, and to walk in faith, those individuals that went in, I'm assured God blessed them extra for the extra effort they had to put forth to take care of his people. I'm, I just believe God won't let you stay in debt to him. I believe when you do something for God, God will do something back. Now, if you just do it to get something, you're probably not. But if you just do something for God because he's God and because you love him and you want to serve him, I believe God will give back to you every time. And so we find here, uh, I'm not going to turn to this, it's so familiar, but over in the book of Acts chapter 6, when the Bible is talking about the first group of deacons, They said, uh, God said, you need to get your men to serve the table, take care of those physical tasks, so that the apostles, which were at that time in the place of the pastor, can give themselves continuously to prayer and study of the Word. Now, I might as well go ahead and tell you, that's not possible in a church our size. But uh, that would be the thing that would please God if there was people to take care of everything else and the the pastor just study continuously and fill himself and his heart with the things of God. And I'll have to warn you, there's some Harlans out there. There There's some people out there who uh, are in the business of preaching simply as a business. Want to make money. They don't care about souls. They don't care about the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, and again, this is something I've said so many times, I know y'all almost gag when I say it. But God always chooses one man to speak for him. He'll always do that in any group. He'll choose one individual to speak for him. And uh, that Harlan, that's just, uh, I used to hear f- uh, people say he was they were mama called and daddy sent. Uh, they're not God's man. I don't know who they are. I'm not going to try to pick them out. I'm not going to try to take the tares out from among the wheat. But God knows who they are. And uh, the greatest problem that we have uh, in this time in which we live is the fact that we live so close to the end of this age. I'm convinced of that. So close to the end of this age that men have already become lovers of self more than lovers of God. And that's not only in the pews, that's in the pulpits many times. You know, I read in, in 2 Timothy 4, 3, where it said in those days that they had heaped to themselves teachers having each in ears. In other words, we'll get us a man in the pulpit that'll preach what we want to hear if we'll brag on him. That's what it boils down to and uh, we we live in that age and we have to be careful as, as men of god called of god still standing on the fundamental truths we have to be careful that we don't fall into that trap and uh, so we find here that among the many qualifications that god sets forth he says over in 1 Timothy 3, he said, If a man desires the work of a bishop, he desires a good work. He didn't say he desires an easy work. He desires a good work. There's two things to remember as pastors go out to pastor, and, and two things to remember as you start out with a new pastor. Any good thing that happens, happens because God makes it happen. I don't care how good of a preacher you've got. I don't care how good of a singer you've got. Unless the Holy Spirit of God moves in the midst and changes hearts, there won't anything that's worth two cents happen. And so when souls are saved and the church grows and and, uh, becomes influential in the community, it's all right to pat Brother John on the back and say, Brother John, you're working hard and doing a good job, but remember, God's doing the work. And then the second thing that, that uh, we need to remember is and, uh, that uh, old John the Baptist said, and it's been an encouragement to me over the years, he saw Jesus coming and he said, he must increase and I must decrease. My job is not to become famous or rich or powerful, but my job is to make Jesus exalted and known. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Of course, I understand he meant on the cross, but he meant also, as a secondary term, if you as a church will lift Jesus Christ up and praise him, men will be drawn. Now, I want to throw in just one, I'm fixing to quit, I promise you. I hear people sometimes, you'll go to a church service and all they can talk about is how wonderful the blessed Holy Spirit is. Blessed Holy Spirit is wonderful. But I want you to know the job of the Holy Spirit is not to exalt himself. If the Holy Spirit's working in your heart like he ought to be, you'll be saying how wonderful Jesus is. That's his job, to exalt Jesus. That's the job of the church. If you're being led by the Spirit of God, exalt Jesus. And that's the job of the pastor. If you're being led by the Holy Spirit, exalt Jesus. As I said, I may have rambled around a little bit tonight, but I thought some of those things really need to be said to kind of jar our attention. And not only the responsibility, not only does the pastor have a responsibility to church, but church has a responsibility to the pastor. You see, the the man that stands here as pastor is an under-shepherd. He's the overseer of the flock. But the under-shepherd has a chief shepherd that he gets his orders from. And if he doesn't get his orders from the chief shepherd, he's missed the boat. I've got absolutely no business getting up here and preaching what I think you need to hear. There's a lot of times there's things I think, man, Lord, I believe the church needs to hear this. And God says, no, no, no. And there's sometimes God says, here's some things the church needs to hear. And I say, God, I don't think that's a good idea. He says, but I do. Now, some laugh and they say, I don't believe you have a conversation like that. Well, most people probably don't. But uh, I'm one of those fellows not like most people. You and your pastor, he is to do his diligence to take care of your spiritual needs. And you are to do your diligence to take care of his physical needs. And so I'll leave you with that tonight. And may God take the, as we said, the ramblings and the mistakes we've made and all and put them together and touch our hearts. You know, there are certain things the devil doesn't like. I can guarantee you you can get up here and preach on forgiveness as the devil will give you the hardest time. He doesn't want his children to know about forgiveness. You get up here and preach on the blood, a lot of times you have problems. And uh, when you get to the place where you start preaching about things that if you'll do, that'll make the blessings of God come up on you, the devil doesn't like that one bit. And God help us if we might... Uh, seek his wisdom and his knowledge on the things that's been said tonight that he might be able to bless us individually and as a church. I ask you to stand, piano player, and song leader come.